everybody um this is joel pulliam uh with the latest episode of the first and 15 podcast again if you haven't subscribed to um this podcast please do but um also if this is your first time listening just a little rundown the first comes from the first amendment um right to free speech and the 15th amendment it's the 15th and the 15th amendment basically gives um everyone the right to vote uh so that's how i came up with the name and obviously you get paid the first 15 thought it fit together and uh you know that's that what i wanted to talk about was um i wouldn't say it's personal but i i, I want to be like transparent with people about just how i feel about certain things and um we're gearing up for an election in 2024 right uh and i know we always say that each election is the most consequential but i really believe this one is um Donald Trump, the, the history of America is that white men, for the most part, don't get punished very often. And even if they do, we give them the grace to come back into the public more so than we do any other demographic. And um, Donald Trump's a prime example from January 6th to the Russia stuff to, I mean, even the, the Stormy Daniels and the tax evasion and all these things. Uh, even the case in Georgia, we'll see how that... Uh, about you know the election fraud and how he tried to intimidate people like that and on his behalf not election fraud in terms of democrats but in terms of uh, trump trying to derail the election and i think um that remains to be seen what will happen with that but the fact that he is still here uh and he he believes he can run for president and he is we don't even have safeguards against that for like felons running for the presidency so really, I don't know if there's anything to stop him unless he's behind bars. And um, there, you know, I was talking to my family and people might not want to hear this, but I think you have to be realistic about what America is before we can get to where, you know, we want it to be. And the fact is that he has a decent chance of winning. Now, I believe Joe Biden's the favorite and I believe those two will be your, um, I could be wrong, Uh the, the two, you know, primary winners, obviously the incumbent president and then Trump should run through the, the Republican primary. Uh, and I'll, I'll preface everything I'm about to say by by this is that the one thing I've learned the hard way, if you ever worked in politics like I have, is that you never know what's going to happen. So don't take this as like this is definitive, 100 percent going to happen. This is just my views. Um, I believe that in 2024 for Democrats to win and again, Biden's the favorite. Um, there has to be a, a strengthen of the base. I think a lot of people get caught up in, like, there have been victories, and, you know, I'm glad that Herschel Walker didn't win, because good God. But if you look in the beneath the weeds of everything, right, when it was Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams, someone who is somewhat a, a normal Republican, whatever that is, um, I don't know if that's even a thing, but, you know, who looks normal to the public, he won by a significant margin, right? I think uh, in the midterms, there were such horrible candidates by Republicans, and I'm glad they lost. So it's not that, you know, it's just you don't know what will happen in 2024. And also, when you look beneath the surface, um, Democrats, when it comes to, like, black people, Latinos, under the hood, they're they're kind of bleeding some support. Even when you look in the midterms, it was not by the same margins with African-Americans as it, it's been in previous midterms or 
in 2020. And um, even in some of the metropolitan areas, I believe, I remember after the 2016 election, I was talking to my brother and talking about how working class, like, like uh, people of color, well, just people who are marginalized, let's say uh, minorities, uh, working class black people, working class Latinos, uh, working class Asians, that there has been a little bit of bleeding of, of, of support. Um, and that that's something Democrats will have to figure out. But just from our personal experience, I do feel like within the party, because obviously the Republican Party is so far gone, that you're not making any changes to that party. But Democrats, there has to be somewhat of a, a I hate to say a spiritual reawakening, because I'm not trying to paint a broad brush, because they're, they're, they're good politicians in, in, in the Democratic Party. I'm not saying that. Um, but I, I do think as a whole, there needs to be a getting back to like, not worrying about, you know, winning the next election, but doing what you have right now. I'm, I'm reminded of Minnesota, right? Uh, Tim Waltz, the, the governor, they don't have like a, a crazy majority, but when he had the power, same thing with, you know, Michigan with Gretchen Whitmer, uh, doing they they went out and they actually like accomplished everything they said they would and and more and they're like we don't have a lot of power but we're going to use it to to its full extent i think those type of things are what, what will bring black people and young people like when i first made this podcast what i wanted to do was reach out to to you know i'm a millennial and i'm you know a black man and i feel like sometimes uh we feel not just left out but just uninspired and i'm not saying that's a that's a right way to think but that's just the reality that there are realities of life right if you're white you might not understand this just because you don't live like this but if you vote all the time and and you see no progress whether it's voting rights or police reform you'll get disheartened now i want to tell people who are listening you should still go vote no matter what but these like these are just realities of life and i think um my own personal experience it's not like both parties. No, no, no. Republican Party is terrible. But like even within the Democratic Party, there's still like a um, whiteness is a strong thing. And a lot, a lot of times white people don't even see, even if they believe they're on the right side, how their whiteness blinds them from like the ills of society or how people even on their side feel around them. Right. Um, or that they're, they're still backwards thinking even within the democratic party right um, i remember me and my brother this is back in south carolina when we went to um go volunteer and i've said this story before uh but i remember we went out to a it's, it's a little town i wouldn't even it's not well it might be a town it's called arthur town right and it's by the the, the college stadium it's downtown columbia and um it's 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 low income, but these are like great people. It's not like you know, it's nothing crazy or anything like that. Uh, the normal, they're citizens just like you and me, and we were going to go out there to register and vote. And I remember we both remember overhearing someone say, "Oh, um, hey, you know, I don't want to go out there. You know, I don't I don't feel comfortable. You know, can we go somewhere else? I don't want to. I don't want to." And I'm like, these are the very people, A, not only you're trying to, to, to register to vote, these are the people we say we want to help, right? The least of these in terms of with the least amount of resources, this is what politics is about. 
if politics to you is just getting people who look like you, who are in the same tax bracket as you, who live in the same neighborhoods as you, it's it's just an echo chamber. I come from the church world and we say the same thing. If your church hasn't grown, it's the same people and no one's being converted, then what are you really doing? And I just remember being so disheartened, but you know the reality of, of America. It's like, oh, even the people who consider themselves, you know, I'm liberal, you know, I'm very tolerant. Uh, in that moment, they weren't tolerant at all. They didn't want to go to that black area. And it sometimes, even working on a campaign, you'll hear people say, or even coworkers say things that kind of like catch you off guard, like, oh, I thought we were on the same team. And it can't just be anti-Republican because obviously we know what Republicans stand for, the bigotry and the misogyny and all those things. But it has to be, what are we for? The liberation of people, right? Not just to survive, but we want to see black people thrive. And I think that's the next step of not just... People will feel, I'm going to be honest, people will feel sometimes that you are using them. I'm not saying that it's what's happening but i'm just saying you feel like that sometimes even in 2020 but after george floyd we're, we're asking people me included telling black people let's go to the polls let's 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 vote and i and i'm glad i did that because you know the right person won but after that we haven't gotten a voting rights bill we have not gotten a police reform bill you know there are major issues within the community that haven't like the, their interests haven't been served like that. And that's another thing that can hurt in 2024. And it also shows like, not it doesn't show, but it makes people feel, even me sometimes, I'm going to be transparent to where like, okay, where is this going? Like, did you just want us in 2020? Did you, you know, 2024 is going to be the same thing. And I would just warn people, you can't count on a demographic over and over again to like, oh, they'll bail us out. You need to start outreaching to them. You need to start putting tangible things down because people are losing. They're losing faith in the system as a whole. This ain't even just a reflection on a president. It's a reflection of a country that people are just losing, just like whatever. And and that and when you have a chaos agent like Donald Trump, you don't want to leave anything to chance. You don't want what was it? Seventy thousand, seventy five thousand, somewhere around that number was the difference in 2016. It was almost that difference in 2020 in terms of. And when I say 2016, it was three states uh, in the in the Rust Belt that made the difference. Like that's that doesn't even fill up a college football stadium, and that changed the whole world. In 2020, the margins weren't that big in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, and in, in uh, I mean Wisconsin and Georgia. Like these are the states that dictate their battleground states elections. And that you're going to need black people in Philadelphia. You're going to need black people in Detroit. You're going to need black people in Milwaukee. You're going to need them in Atlanta. You're going to need them in Charlotte. Like, that's what this election is going to come down to. And that is twofold. Obviously, it's politically smart, but it's the morally right thing to do with the people who brought you there, right? Without the black people in South Carolina, you know, without the black people on your team, this doesn't happen. And so that that needs to be priority morally. Like, we need to get things done. That means calling to kill the filibuster when you run. If you're going to run and say, like, we're not going to kill the filibuster, then what are we actually doing this for? And again, you know, if, if it's Donald Trump and Joe Biden, to me, it's a no-brainer. Like, I, it's Joe Biden all day. Uh, but what I, what I do also realize is that everyone is not me. 
I mean, I worked for Joe Biden in 20, so it's not like I, I like dislike him or anything like that, but I know the realities of how people are feeling on the ground. They don't feel, you know, I don't know, not saying they don't feel represented, but they a lot of people feel unheard. And obviously this has been better four years than Donald Trump. I don't think anyone would, you know, dispute that. But still, uh, you don't want to leave anything to chance. And also Donald Trump being an outsider again, obviously he was a president, but not being the incumbent president and being the outsider, that's where he likes. He likes to be the the chaos agent who wrecks everything and that people fall for stuff. Like I'm like you gotta know America. America likes the glitz and glamour. They like the the smoke and mirrors, right? And so you just wanna if you're a Democrat, you want the troops. You you need black people. And also say this, you need black men too. Like um obviously sisters, black women are the most loyal of the democratic base like they save democracy again and again so this is not to dispute that but i feel like you also need brothers you need black men to to be a part of that coalition in these metropolitan areas that can make the difference between a trump or biden presidency right that that changes the future of the world to be honest with you um and and i do think and, I, and i'm gonna say this um being transparent is that in the world of government or nonprofit when it comes to these like liberal leaning, they're far too few. I don't even know that there's just too few Too, you don't see a lot of people who look like me in those spaces. That's what I'm trying to say. Like they're black men usually aren't this far too few black women. So I'm not saying like, Oh yeah, we've met that quota, but there definitely isn't enough black men in these spaces. And, uh, I just don't know how you outreach to people when you don't have people who know who are these people, right? And not just people who are college educated, and this is not the college education. We want people to get educated, so it's not that. But you need people who know all walks of life because most people still don't have a college education in every demographic. Like, so most Americans don't have a college degree. So how are you going to reach that kind of like... um that that base that hasn't really been tapped into and you need to keep because science and education all these things a lack of that is what's hurting this country right now when it comes to facts and truth but what i'm saying is that um you don't want people to feel uh i hate to say left behind but you you just want to reach out to people and when i'm talking working class i don't mean the white working class donald trump voter silent majority i'm not saying that there are plenty of people who are part of your base who don't have college education you know, black Latino people, Asian people who don't have maybe those, you know, degrees, but they still want to be a part of your coalition. So I'm saying you just have to be careful of that and your team has to reflect. Like, I just think if you're going to ask for black people's votes, black people need to be involved and real. And like, you also need like real people. I hate to be like this. I'm not trying to be mean when I say real people. I think of a John Lewis, like he's educated in all these things, but he know like the synergy between him and the common man is there, right? No one like John Lewis can talk to anybody. When he was alive, God, I wish he was still here, but he could talk to the Harvard graduate, and he could talk to the the gas station clerk. He could talk to 
uh, the bank teller, he could talk to the teacher, he could talk to the homeless man, he could talk to the rich man. And I think the Democratic coalition works best when it's like that. I think Barack Obama also had that gift of he was just, he fit everywhere. The common man, but also exceptional. Like all these things. Even though the argument of exceptionalism is that everyone is exceptional if they can reach their potential of what they're supposed to be. Everybody's not meant to be a doctor. Everyone's not meant, is not meant to be, you know, a Harvard graduate or some people are meant to be firefighters. Some people are meant to be stay-at-home mothers, which is an occupation. All these are exceptional. So I'm not using exceptional, like, talented 10th or, you know, I'm not saying that. Uh, I just feel like all black people, you know, it's the whole community. These whole communities need to be tapped in, and that's what I'm saying. Um, but again, I, I, sometimes I look in those spaces and you don't see people who look like you. And even the people you see who look like you, they're kind of handcuffed somewhat that they're not allowed to be themselves. And that's going to be needed to outreach to people. You got to be, you know what I'm saying? Not saying like getting down in the mud or anything, but people who are close to what's real, you know? And so I, I would love to see the party tap more into that. Um, and, and to their base, because I think it's going to be needed in 2024. You know, and I want to spend this last part just speaking that if you're going to work, in my opinion, my humble opinion, like if you're going to work in politics, let's say left liberal leaning, or you're going to work in these nonprofit spaces that are meant to help the people, you have to honestly care about them in the sense of you, you you're listening to them, not only listening to them, you're hearing them. You know, the empathy is, is, is there. It's not just something you do every four years. It's not just when I need the votes from you. It's what you live. You know, I, I feel your pain. I feel your suffering. I've been there. And I think maybe the thing that, that helps, you know, again, I humbly say this, so I'm not saying it like I'm some politician because I'm not. But like what's helped me in politics when it came to talking to people is that I have life experiences, you know. I've lived in Detroit, Michigan. I lived in the Eastover. I've lived in bad areas. I've lived in good areas. I've been to all types of schools. I've moved a lot. So it's like all these experiences, you know, the the, the low moments I've had that, the, the high moments I've had that, you know. So all those help, you know, with with being able to talk to anybody. And I think if you're going to work in politics, if we're going to build a community, we need all voices to be in there right until the doctor and the dishwasher and I always say the doctor and the dishwasher and the teacher and the the gas station clerk and the farmer and the doc like until everyone feels a part of it we haven't reached our, our potential as a community to where we can actually make the progress that's meant to be in this country and so again if you're listening you want to work with people really like make it your life mission that it's not just for elections or for wins, but I truly want to transform every person's life. You know, that means when you see the homeless person, you can't look in disgust. You can't like, uh, you know, I wish they, every ounce of your life has to be to help people. Like it has to be in your DNA. It has to permeate within you. You know, if, if this is your life mission, then make it your life mission. Not just to get paid, not just to, to rise up on the ladder, but that your life's work is whether it's big or small to help change this world. So um, with that, I thank you for listening. And again, like I always say, um, there's nothing wrong with being upset.
about our current situation because with passion, it only means that you're still alive. Thank you and God bless.